Greetings, this is Pastor Stan Harvey of the Pentecostals of Sydney. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. It is our hope that this message, whether it be a Sunday service or a midweek lesson, would be a blessing and a help to you in your spiritual journey. Stay connected with us on our website, posydney.com, or on our numerous social media platforms. Now to the service. God's Word, Judges chapter 3, verse number 1 to verse number 5. Amen. If you have it, say, I have it. All right. Judges chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them even as many of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan only that the generations of the children of Israel might know to teach them war at the least such as before knew nothing thereof so I'm reading from the King James version Uh, the Lord left these nations in Israel so as to prove them because there came a generation of Israel who were born in Israel and didn't know what it means to fight and so the Lord deliberately left these nations to trouble them so that they could learn to fight namely verse number three Five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites and the Sidonians and the Hivites that dwell in Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon unto the entering in of Hamath. And they were to prove Israel by them to know whether they would hearken unto the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. And the last verse, verse number five, and the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, and Amorites, and Perizzites, and Hivites, Jebusites, and the Vegemites, and not the Vegemites. Actually, we'll read one more verse, verse number six. And they took their daughters to be their wives, and gave their own daughters to their sons, and served their gods. Amen. I want to talk to you today on this thought. You heard the saying, born to fight. I want to talk to you about being born again to fight. Born again to fight. Let us pray. And I want to ask if you would join with me in prayer for a sister of ours. Uh, Her name is Catherine, Catherine Kornfeld. And uh, she has some tumors in her brain. The doctors need to operate on her brain. Uh, She's lost some movement on her left side already because of that. And that's how they discovered that she had some spots on her brain. And uh, she needs God's help. And we believe that God can perform a miracle. Even before they have to operate on her, we believe that God can remove those spots. We've seen it before. How many of you remember Sister Nilda? She had brain tumors. God healed her uh, that they didn't even need to operate on her and so let's lift up sister Catherine today who's in hospital right now 
in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for what we feel in this house, your presence, Lord God. We ask you that this same presence would go into the hospital room of Sister Catherine. And Lord God, that you would touch this precious lady, Lord God, a faithful believer in you. And I ask you, Lord God, right now that you would bring healing to her body. Lord, right now we take authority. We come against and we take authority over every tumor in the brain. In Jesus' name, we command every spot, every every foreign body, everything that is causing her sickness right now to disappear by the authority of the Word of God and the power of the name Jesus. We speak her healing right now, Lord God, that you would recover her, strengthen her, let it be for a miracle and a testimony to the doctors, to her family, to her friends, and to this world of your healing power. We ask you for healing and deliverance today for our dear sister in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And Lord, for your word today, we're asking again that you would speak to us as we open our hearts. We're receptive to you, Lord God. We are willing to hear from your word. We ask you to speak to us, anoint your servant and your people even now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you clap your hands once again? Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Born again to fight. It is interesting to read some of these passages in Scripture that we can often overlook. And and sometimes when we skim over Scripture, we don't understand the, the significance of what God is saying. And in this particular text, this is the early days of the children of Israel having entered into the promised land and receiving their inheritance after being delivered in a dramatic way from bondage in Egypt. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and in those 40 years, God led them through the wilderness to teach and to train this this nation of slaves. He wanted to transform them from uh, this slave attitude or mentality to become a formidable nation that would be the reflection of Jehovah throughout the whole world. Uh, he formed them, and in, in throughout the wilderness, they faced every kind of battle and obstacle from wars and lack of water, drought, lack of food, lack of, of uh, shelter, God would form them and make out of the children of Israel a powerful nation. And after 40 years, they finally enter into the promised land and they they obtain what God had given to them, an inheritance of property. And, And Joshua taking over for Moses would lead the children of Israel. And then we get into the period of the judges where a couple of generations after Moses, now there arose a new generation. That, that never knew what it was like to wander the wilderness, that didn't know what it's like to go through suffering and, and hardship and pain and heartache. Uh, they, they grew up being cushioned and, and experiencing uh, safety. That What they've always known is that they've always had their house. What they've always known is that they've always had their property. That's all they've ever known. And, and so they may be grown up a little soft, 
They've got no calluses on their hands, no, no, no uh, uh, pain in their, in their joints and their bodies because everything has been given to them. It kind of reminded me of the generation I grew up in, you know. Uh, they talk about the greatest generation that ever lived in our, in our recent past, and that is the generation right after the war, uh, after the Second World War, after the war ended in, in 1946. And, and there was a generation that grew up, and, and that was a period when, when things were, were not always in abundance. Uh, our, our pastor before me, the, our great bishop, Brother Ted Slack, I remember uh, as I, I came into the church, you know, he would just... When he would come into the house, into the church, he would, and, and during the week, he would go around turning off all the lights, make sure that there was not one light that would, didn't need to be on, was not on. And, and he would go around and he would see patches. You remember, he would have a bucket of white paint and a paintbrush and go around the building and painting any kind of, any damage, any dirt, he would be painting that. And, and we're, we're our generation, we're like, no, pastor, we'll get somebody to fix that. He said, no, you know, I can fix that myself because he came from a generation where, where things were scarce, where, where things were, were difficult to, to get by. You know, you'd go to the, the grocery store and there was only one brand of toothpaste or maybe two at the most that you order from. Nowadays, you go into chemist warehouse and my God, there's a whole wall of toothpaste. And I'm thinking, which one is suitable for me? Which one's going to work the best? They've all got all kinds of of, uh, of properties that, that will do different things to your teeth. And which one's going to give me perfect teeth? And, and you can spend a whole five, ten minutes looking for the right one. Well, I, ju I just look for which one's the cheapest. And, and so the, that generation, right after the war, they, they, they didn't have many cars. They didn't have the Internet. They had to, they had to travel to go meet somebody. That, you know, they said, if I'm going to ha have an appointment with you at a certain date, at a certain time, at a certain place... They will be there. Nowadays, when we have, we're going to meet somebody, you know, we, we call each other. We send the, the map on the phone. We send an actual link to the map. And then we get, you know, 10 messages that we are on our way there. I'm just around the corner. I'm stepping into that spot right now. Are you here yet? It, it's quite different today. And, and I always wondered, I, you know, they, they call me. I'm from the Generation X where, where they, they call my generation, those that are born in the uh, early 70s or uh, to the early 80s, or their Generation X, that's right after the baby boomers. The baby boomers came after the greatest generation. And Generation X was known for us because uh, our generation didn't feel like we had any kind of real identity. We were in this identity confusion. That's why it's called Generation X. If you don't know a person's name, you put X, right? That's Mr. X. They don't know him. And then there's Gen Y right after our generation. Those that are a little younger than us, that's the generation that have been brought up with, uh, you know, with the Internet. And, uh, you know, they, they don't know about dial-up Internet. Anybody remember dial-up Internet? Well, you had to wear here, wait for that sound and, and you know, that. And, and after a day or two, you can, you, you've downloaded a movie. It took you two days to download one movie. Remember that? <laughs> that Gen Y don't know anything about that. And then you got the generation right after them, Gen Z, who, who grew up with, with just with TikTok. They think that the life is, is about, you know, showing your, your identity is on video, what have you. And, and they've kind of grown up with this generation. They don't know what it means to, to walk to a telephone booth and put coins in the, in the, in the machine and, and, and call somebody or, or, or dial. You know, they, they don't, what, what are you talking about? They, they can't imagine a world without devices.
There's a generation that can't imagine a world without some form of entertainment, without some form of video or game or some digital format that will entertain you and keep you occupied for hours on end. And, and, and so we see how, how the generation has changed. And, and I think somewhat this is what the generation was in the time of Judges is that God said that there's a generation that doesn't know how to fight. There's a generation that they've been brought up into this nation and, and they don't really know how to fight. So the Bible says God left these nations so that God could teach this next generation. He left these surrounding armies and nations, deliberately left them behind so that God can teach this next generation of Israelites what it means to take up a sword, what it means to fight and to have a battle. Amen. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, that when we come into the body of Christ, when we come into the kingdom of God, that God delivers us, he sets us free. The greatest thing that we can experience is to be delivered from a life of bondage by sin. Amen. That we, we are delivered from a life of bondage of sin. He sets us free when we receive the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and we repent of our sins and we receive forgiveness for our sins at baptism in Jesus' name. We're filled with the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you that at that point, God sets us free and we are delivered from the power of the bondage of sin. Oh, thanks be to God. Thank you, Lord, for what he has done in our lives. That when we were lost and in sin, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and he picked us up out of the world, out of the miry clay, and he brought us into the promised land of the kingdom of God. And we stand here today delivered and set free. But I've come to remind you that even though we've been set free, that God has purchased our salvation, thank the Lord, by the shedding of his blood. I want you to know that when you become born again, you are born again to fight. That he calls you not to simply sit and get spoiled and get soft and get weak. But when you are born again, you are recruited into the army of the Lord. Lord, and God calls you to become a soldier, to become a warrior, and to battle. Amen. I'm sorry if you think that, uh, well, I'm a Christian now. I've given my life to Jesus. Life should be easy. Life should be sweet, and everything is good, and, and, and nothing bad should happen to me. I'm sorry. It won't take you very long to come to this realization, to come to this sobering fact that God will not allow you to sit on a bed of ease, but he'll allow battles. He'll allow nations to remain so that he can teach you how to be a soldier, how to stand, how to fight. That's why it's not only being repented and baptized and being filled with the Holy Ghost that saves you, but Jesus said, he that endures to the end shall be saved. Hallelujah. You've got to endure hardness, Paul said, like a good soldier. Don't be entangled with the affairs of this life, but remember whatever battle you've got to face, whatever trouble is still. You're scratching your head. God, I'm wondering why. I've been paying my tithes. I've come to church every week, and I'm a Christian, and why do I still have to battle these things? Why, why is there still stuff in my life that is still plaguing me? I'll tell you why. God left it deliberately. He didn't deliver that out of you. Why? 
Because he wants to make something out of you. He doesn't want you to be a soft-handed, a, a, a wrist-limped kind of person. He wants you to be strong. He wants you to learn how to fight, how to be a good soldier. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so every trouble, every battle, everything that God has not set you free from, he's allowed it to remain in order to teach you how to fight. Amen. We don't know what it's like to live through a world war. We're getting a little taste of it now. We don't know what it's like to have to ration food. Maybe some, some of you folks that have come from other countries, third world countries perhaps, developing or underdeveloped countries, you know what it's like to suffer. I, I, I lived in Sri Lanka for two and a half years during the war, during the civil war in Sri Lanka where the Tamil Tigers were fighting against the Sinhalese-dominated government. And we, we had to go through curfews. You know, we would have a whole week of curfews. You couldn't leave your house. And I thought that was the greatest thing because I didn't have to go to school. I said, yes, curfew. When I got a little bit older as a teenager, you know, we weren't, we weren't good kids. Uh, we, you know, when with the curfew, you, during the curfew, they'd give you a couple hours to go get your groceries, go get your food. And what we would do is, is to get with, when, when that, those couple hours, we all meet up and we go to stay at a friend's house. And we go to a friend's house. And when the curfew started, well, we couldn't leave. We had to stay at our friend's house and party all night. But, but I tell you, I, when, I, when I first moved to the, the country of Sri Lanka, it is a beautiful country. It, it's, it's, like, it's, a, it's an island. It's a tropical island surrounded by gorgeous beaches everywhere, all around. And we, we took a mission team there a couple of years ago. And, and when I first went there, I was at the age of 13. Uh, I, you know, we flew overnight. We, we, we were living in Singapore at the time. And then my, my dad got a job in Sri Lanka. We flew overnight. We, we got there at nighttime. We think, oh, man, what is this country about? And, of course, we didn't have the Internet then. You know, didn't have the Internet to look up what, what this country's like. But that morning when we woke up in the hotel room, we opened up the, the curtains. Me and my sister were standing there looking out in the city. We looked at each other and just started crying. Because oh. it looked so sad compared to Singapore. It was potholes everywhere and they had no McDonald's there was one shopping center in the whole country in the city of Colombo and that one shopping center basically had had nothing for young people to do and hang out they had cinemas but the only movies that they showed were you know Bollywood movies some of you'll like that I'm sure but not for a 13 year old and it was rough but I tell you, when I, when I finally moved over to Australia when I was 16 years old, I appreciated everything that this country had. I appreciate some of the uh, roads with no potholes. Well, there's a few potholes at the moment. We've had so much rain. But I appreciate all the things that, that you could get here that, that we just couldn't get there. Like just a, a, a McDonald's. You know, there was one burger joint in the country in Sri Lanka. And the, the, the patties, the burger patties, was, was, was saturated with curry. Now, some of you will like that, I know. Not for a 13-year-old. I love it now. I would love that now. But I tell you, when I came to this country, I appreciated everything. Uh, that I, I just wanted to try everything. I wanted to taste everything, and unfortunately, I did. I tried and tasted and, and you know, everything else <laughs> that was bad in this country as well. 
but, but I learned some things. I learned to appreciate that there are some things uh, that there, a lot of people in the world don't have that we have in this country. Can I tell you, even, even if you're making minimum wage in this country, you are still in the top 10% in the entire world. You are still better off than majority of the people in this world. Even if you're just flipping burgers and making barely $14 an hour, I'm telling you, you're still better off than majority of the people in this world. Amen. That's why don't get so bent out of shape. Maybe you don't have the ideal job and your boss is not paying you enough, but just rejoice in what you have. Begin to enjoy the blessings of God. Amen. Maybe he's trying to teach you something. That's why you can't get out of that job or you can't get a better job. But, but the Bible says, and I, again, I, I'm already out of time. In verse number five, the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, the Bible says in the New Testament that the things that happened to them in the Old Testament happened so that they could be examples for us. They are our examples. Now, whether you read that to say, well, they, we can learn from what they went through, or that God actually allowed them to go through that, so that one day, 2,000 or 5,000 years from here, that God would begin to show the church here in Campsie what how he works and operates in the lives of his people. So one of the, one of the nations that he left, and we're going to take up some of these nations, and, and what is the significance of these nations? One of the, the nations are known as the Amorites. There was the Amorites. Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, Jebusites, as I said, the Vegemites, or if, you, if you're a Kiwi, the Bromites. Sorry. Or if you're from, is it Marmite? If you're, or the Termites. The word Amorite means to speak or to say or to boast of yourself. In, in both the Hebrew and the Greek word, it means, can also be interpreted as thing. And so some have rendered it in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 37. The Bible says, with God, no thing shall be impossible. That could also be interpreted, with God, no word should be void of power. And what he's saying is, is that words are very powerful. And that's what we have to battle. When you become a child of God, the battle that you face is a battle of words. In fact, let me go so far as to say that the battlefield is, is within our minds and our hearts. That's the battlefield. That's where the, the fight goes on. And so you've got to be understand. You've got to be very, very careful to, to change that when you become born again, we, we still have the temptation and the tendency to speak like we used to speak, to, to let our self-talk continue to be what it was before we knew Jesus. Our self-talk, you know, you, you, you talk to yourself every day. Amen. Believe it or not. And, and the, the only difference between sane people and insane people is the ones that the sane people talk to themselves quietly. Those who talk to themselves in the open, <laughs> loudly, they're the crazy ones. Amen. But we all talk to ourselves. 
We all speak words to ourselves. When you wake up in the morning, sometimes the first thing you say, why in the world did I have that dream? What is going on? Sometimes your mind is like a fog that is filled with all kinds of words. That's why you ought to, the first thing you ought to do when you get up is begin to talk to Jesus. Say, God, clear my mind. Lord, let me, let me talk to you. Let me, let me hear your words. Amen. Because I want you to know that the battle is in your mind. It's in the words that you speak. Your self-talk. Listen to me. You, you can talk yourself into the house of God. You can talk yourself into a blessing. You can talk yourself into a relationship with God. But just as powerfully, you can talk yourself out of the blessings of God. You can talk yourself out of the promise of God. That's why you've got to get your self-talk right. You've got to get your mind filled with the right words. Amen. Because if the battle is in your mind. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. The scripture tells us, remember, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, they're not physical, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What, what do you mean, preacher, strongholds? Do I have to go to a, a fortress and try to tear? No, the strongholds in your mind, pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You've got to, the only way we're going to make it in this world living for God is to ensure that our words lines up with the word of God that you don't allow the lies of the devil to rob you of your joy to cause you to walk away from the grace of God amen I refuse to listen to negativity I refuse to listen to the words of the enemy but I'm going to put my mind in God's word and abide in the word of God Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. That's what you ought to tell the devil when you wake up. Sometimes he'll tell you, though, you'll never make it. It's too hard to live for God. You can't live holy. You can't live righteous. You rebuke the devil. You tell those words. You cast down those imaginations. You pull down those negative words and say, yes, I can do all things through Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. God leaves that as the battle for us. Unfortunately, our minds don't automatically change at the point of baptism. Where it's, oh, I'm thinking perfectly. The Bible says that we are not to be conformed to this world. What does that mean? Conformed to this world. It means not to follow the philosophies the ideologies or the things that this world values says we're not to conform to that but we are to be transformed metamorphosized we are to change how how do we transform is it like optimus prime who goes from being a truck to to being a robot no it's we we change by renewing our minds Beginning to think anew, beginning to think in new ways. And that, my brothers and sisters, is the battle that you've got to learn to develop. You've got to learn to discipline your thinking. You've got to learn to discipline your self-talk. That you've got to curtail, you've got to pull down the stronghold. You've got to cast down imaginations. Come on, I'm telling you that if you can learn to, to, to let the Word of God determine how you think, how you believe, your values, your system, it will lead you to the, to the promise promise of victory and you will be strong 
you can learn the battle. But you can get to a stage in your life that even when all hell is against you, even when, when, when discouragement comes, when, when people don't stand with you, yet there's this, uh, you have this ability to, to think and to let your mind stay to, be stayed on Jesus. He gives him perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Amen. That's the first battle you've got to face. It's a battle of words. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 141, he said, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. The words are powerful. Remember, we used to sing that as kids. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not entirely true. Words are more powerful because you can heal from the bruise of a stick and a stone. Well, it de depends what, how hard the stone is thrown and where it hits you. You can, you can heal from bruises of your body, but words that goes into the soul of a man, like the injection of a venom from a snake into the bloodstream, can course through the heart and the soul of a person to where those words become a part of who you are. I want to help somebody here today and tell you that the words that have been injected into you as a child that has formed your identity does not have to remain. It does not have to define you. It does not have to determine your destiny. But when you go to the word of God, when that becomes, when, when, you know, when you get venom into your bloodstream, what you got to get is anti-venom. You got to get that. If you get bitten by a, a what is it, a, a taipan, one of the deadliest snakes in Australia in the world, uh, you, you got to go to the clinic and get that anti-venom. The anti-venom, when they inject it into your bloodstream, it begins to fight against the venom, the pollutant, the, the thing that will cause you to be sick. And that's what happens when you come to the house of, when you come to the Lord, you get the word of God. That's why we come to the house of God every Sunday. Amen. We need to, to get the word of God once again, somebody to preach under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, once again to penetrate our minds and our brains so that it will get to, like the anti-venom, get to those negative words, get to those, those things, those strongholds that have become a part of who we are. And bit by bit and brick by brick, it can tear down the strongholds. Come on, somebody. You, that's why you got to read your Bible every day you got to meditate on the Word of God. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Every day, every night, I promise you, if you meditate upon God's word every day, every night, there's going to be a change in the complexion, in the trajectory of your life. There will be a transformation. Why? Because the word of God, the Bible says, is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and bone and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart oh get that anti-venom in there get it to determine your self-talk hallelujah glory
Glory to God. We got to get the word. Meditate day and night, the Bible says, and he promises you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Your leaf, your, your leaf will not wither. It, it, you're not, it's not going to go brown. <laughs> but it shall be born. You, you shall bear fruit in season. And whatever you do, he says, he's a, what a promise, what a psalm to begin with. Out of all the 150 verses of psalms, what a psalm to begin with. He said, whatever you do, whether it's work, ministry, life, it's going to prosper. Oh, hallelujah. Let's not be afraid of the word prosperity. I know some, some preachers have abused it. I know some preachers have made a lot of money out of it. But I want you to know that God wants you to prosper. Not, not just financially. We always think, oh, it's finances. No. You, you, you can be rich and be miserable. But you can, you can be poor and still be having your soul prospering. That your soul may prosper. That you may live life according to way, the way that God had intended for you to live. And that's life in abundance. Hallelujah. It's not automatic. You've got to learn to battle your thoughts. Some of you came in here this morning, haven't had the battle of your life this morning. Shall I go to church? Shall I not go to church? I can't be bothered shaving. I can't be bothered brushing my teeth. It's a Sunday morning. It's cold. And maybe you've been battling something a lot worse than that. I, I, I'm no use. I can't do it. I can't live for God. Listen, God's trying to teach you how to train your mind. He said, endure hardness like a good soldier. Amen. When a soldier is given, given orders, the soldier can't be given excuses. Oh, I don't feel like getting up today. I don't feel like making my bed. No, the drill sergeant would get into that room. He'll get into that, that bed and say, you make that bed. Soldier, this is, this, you're, you're a soldier. It's not about excuses. You've got to get yourself to do what you are supposed to do. You've got to get the word of God. Amen. You know, when I was, when I was a, a young Christian... We were, we were like searching everywhere to buy these cassettes of the, the audio Bible. You know how difficult it was in the early 90s to get those at an affordable price? Finally, I got my hands on a set of Alexander Scorby Bible, audio Bible. Alexander Scorby, he's the guy that read the Bible with proper English accent. He pronounced it properly. It was like, man. I put it on, and as soon as I, five minutes into it, I started falling asleep. So I, I went and got the dramatized version where there was action going on. But you know how easy it is nowadays? It's on your phone. You can get the Bible. You can get preaching. You can listen to preach. We, we would, I remember the days when we didn't have many, you know, we had, we had a little library. Remember that? We had the video audio library. Remember that? And at the end of every service, us young guys would run up to the counter and say, come on, who was it, Sister Lil? You used to look after that? I can't remember. So, Sister Lil, what do you got for us? Oh, well, we just got a whole new set of Because of the Times videos. And we would fight, no, that's mine, no, that's mine. We share it around. Now you got YouTube. You can listen to every apostolic Pentecostal anointed preacher. You got you got. Uh, podcast, and I want to recommend Brother Greg Hackathorn's podcast. He's got some tremendous content on there. Listen to his podcast. I'm even on there. <laughs> but we've got all of this 
opportunity for us. Don't, don't just listen to junk. Get your mind filled with stuff that is of the word. Amen. That I refuse to believe my own baser instincts that tells me, uh, my flesh that tells me that I can't do it, that I'm no good, that I'll, I am a failure, I'll never make it. I refuse to listen to those voices and instead begin to listen to the voice of God that declares that I am more than a conqueror through Christ. I stand here before you today, not because I've had an easy road, but in fact, it's been a tough road. It's been a series of mountains and valleys, but I'll tell you something. God taught me how to fight, and it's up to me whether I'm going to learn to think right or think negatively. Amen. Praise God. You've got to get your mind right. The transformation happens by renewing it. The battle is in our minds. It says, we cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, taking into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And there is a progression there, or a regression, rather. It says it starts with a thought. A thought comes in, you know, somebody said the thoughts are like, are like birds, and sometimes negative thoughts are like birds, like magpies. Man, there's so many magpies lately. I don't know what's going on. I feel like I'm always looking over my head. I've been attacked by a magpie before. Anybody been attacked by a magpie before? Oh, yeah. They're not nice. Thoughts are like birds that fly over your head. and said, and that's okay. You can't always help every thought that comes in your mind, but you can help it whether those birds build a nest in your head. Amen. You got to make sure you don't allow some of those negative thoughts to settle into your mind and build a nest but you got to get rid of them you got to remove them and then the thoughts sometimes they just start off with one thought and then the thoughts increase to knowledge simple thought now becomes knowledge and knowledge is something that you now believe that you now understand as truth it becomes knowledge to you and so the next Step after knowledge is that it becomes imagination. You employ your imagination to reaffirm the knowledge that you believe. Now, if you believe everything is negative, then your imagination will begin to look for everything negative that supports that idea until it becomes finally a stronghold. So you might have a thought, well, you know, sister so-and-so, I don't think she likes me because <laughs> I walk past her. And she didn't even smile. I said, good morning. I gave her my best smile. And she barely could crack a grin. And so the thought goes into your mind, well, what has she got against me? She doesn't like me. And, and so you think about it, and then that thought begins to settle in your mind until you start to believe it as knowledge. And once you believe it, then, then every time you have an interaction with sister so-and-so, you, you start to look at her behavior to support the, something that, that you believe that she doesn't like you. Oh, see, she didn't tell me how nice my shoes were. There, I, knew, I knew she didn't like me. Everybody's been commenting on my shoes except for her. So it becomes imagination to support what you believe, and then it becomes a stronghold, 
and the next time, Sister So-and-so, she's actually having a good day that day, wants to say hello to you. You're the one that gives her a frown. What are you looking at? Because it's become a stronghold in your life, in your mind. And, and you know, all, for all you know, Sister So-and-so could have been having a hard week. Maybe her kids were sick. Maybe she was having fights with her husband, and it's been a tough week, and, and she didn't mean it. And so it's so easy for us to take a simple thought, and it becomes a stronghold where it becomes a part of who we are. But when you come to Christ, uh, those things that are strongholds that don't belong, that are not true, you can cast them down. You can tear them down through the power of God, through the power of his word. So don't let... The only time that you get God's word in your heart and mind be on a Sunday. But every day you need to open up the word of God. Listen to preaching. Listen to, and you know, our, our connect groups, we do sermon recaps on Wednesdays. Some of our connect groups, not all of them. A lot of our connect groups, they come together on a Wednesday and they take this message that was preached on a Sunday and they discuss it further and maybe even take it a little deeper. I can only go so deep in 35 minutes. In fact, my time is up. Sister Stephanie, would you come? But we design that because so often we come to church on a Sunday, we hear a message, it stirs us, we get inspired, we get convicted, and then on Monday, well, what did the preacher talk about? So we come together and ask some of our connect groups so that we can, we can take it a little deeper. You know, how many of you ever experienced that where you read a scripture when you were first young believer, and then you read it several years later, it's like got a deeper meaning to it? That's what the word of God, it is so deep. There's, there's more to it than what we first understand. And so that's why we've got to get God's word to fight the battle. That's the battles up here. Hallelujah. That's the Amorites. I've got five other ites and 30 seconds. I'll have to complete it in the next service. God's word tells us that we can be victorious. We can overcome the curses that have been put upon us, perhaps from family, but just the curse of sin itself. This is why when you look around this room, it's a room full of brokenness, a room full of failures and shortcomings and mistakes weaknesses, frailties because of the curse of sin. But when you come to Christ, that curse, the Bible says, he took the curse upon him because the book of Galatians tells us curse is everyone that hangs on a tree. In other words, the God of all creation who was perfect and without sin he took our curses. Yes, even, even your family curses. Even you say, well, I've got this family curse. Whatever it is, he can destroy. He took those curses so that you don't have to be, you don't have to be yoked and you don't have to be hitched to, to a curse that maybe runs down right down to your family lineage. And when you come to Christ, it stops right there. The blood of Christ removes it and you can be free instead of curses you can live a life of blessing hallelujah 
I'm sorry, but this Christian walk is not where God walks it for you. He still wants you to fight. He still wants you to battle. He's not going to remove every pain. He's not going to remove every battle. He's not going to, but let me tell you, if you are willing to fight, he promises that he will fight with us. He promises and guarantees that he will give us the victory. All you've got to do is show up on the battlefield, keep showing up, keep believing, keep having faith, keep opening up the Bible, keep praying, lifting up your voice, even when you don't feel like it, even when you can't feel God as it seems, a soldier stands up, a soldier turns up, you got to learn to fight. Come on, you got to fight some battles. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about fighting the wrong kind of faith, but, but the Bible says fighting the good fight of faith. You've got to fight the good fight. And he promises, guarantees you victory. Amen. Would you stand to your feet today? Hallelujah. Glory to God. I, I love the old illustration I always use. I, I grew up, you know, I was, a, I, was a, I was a boxing fan. Can't fight to save my life. Well, maybe just to save my life. Somebody said to me, well, if, if they offered you a million dollars to step in the ring with Mike Tyson, would you do it? I said, no way. Are you kidding? He'll obliterate me. No, a million dollars is not going to save my life. He said, no, 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 no. If you step in the ring and the fight is fixed, some people behind the scenes are pulling the strings and he's, he knows it's a fixed fight and he's going to go down. He's not going to lay a finger on you. Would you jump in the ring? I would say, yes, absolutely. I'll jump in the ring to fight Mike Tyson if he's going to go down. Can I tell you, it's the same in your walk with God. It's a fixed fight, but you've got to get in the ring. You've got to ready yourself. You've got to fight. Hallelujah. God promises victory. I've got to stop, but I believe God wants to do a work in somebody's life. Would you lift your voices in Jesus' name? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for what we feel in the midst of your people. Lord God, we, we're sometimes wearied by battles and fights and things that are still in our lives that continue to plague us. Lord God, they're not designed to destroy us. They're designed to make us stronger, to help us to learn, teaching our hands to war teaching our, our hearts to fight to be able to stand and to battle like a soldier that with the resistance Lord God you build ability and strength and resilience but God with the resistance Lord Jesus we can learn how to stand and so today Lord God we're looking to you right now as we come praying and we've been we've been trodden down we've been discouraged so often by prayers that are left unanswered Lord God and we we wonder we doubt we question but Lord today we're going to trust in you we're going to follow your word. We're going to simply be obedient to the word. Despite our feelings, despite how we're going, look, God, we're going to simply trust and be obedient to your word. Hallelujah. Lord, heal somebody today in Jesus' name. Let there be deliverance and freedom. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to open up this altar to you today. I feel like God told me that some of you that have been struggling, you think curses are in your family, in your life. God wants to break those curses. He wants to remove them right now through the power of the blood of Jesus. 
and he wants to break that hold that stronghold in your mind of those things that have dominated your life for long enough I want to open this altar if you'd like to receive something from God if you want to heal you want healing in your body you want to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost this is your opportunity you've never repented of your sin it's time to get in the field it's time to get in the ring it's time to make your decision now is the time quit delaying quit holding back quit procrastinating but it's time like a soldier to be obedient say yes sir yes sir i'm gonna do what you call me to do the soldier is open why don't you come It's not a 